Hello and welcome to the Indian American Experience podcast. I'm your host, Bindia Parikh. Indian Americans are a group that defies being painted in one stroke, be it in political or ideological leanings, definition of identity, or perception of their place in society. So join me in listening to the journeys and experiences of a diverse group of Indian Americans or Desis through lighthearted, casual conversations and see if we can find common threads, maybe shed some myths and hear some interesting stories. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Indian American Experience podcast. My guest today is Jyoti Sinha. Very briefly, Jyoti was born in India and raised in the U.S. from the age of 12. She is now a pediatric gastroenterologist by profession and a mother of three children. Welcome, Jyoti. Thank you, Bindia, for having me. It's so wonderful to be here today and be talking about this very important topic. Thank you. You mentioned in your brief bio that you came to the U.S. at age 12 in the late 80s. So can you recall what the circumstances were around that? Yeah, no, I remember very clearly. It was on my 12th birthday and mm-hmm. my parents were debating whether, you know, we were going to continue to stay in India because we'd been traveling a lot. So I left India when I was about six. We lived in Iraq and Zambia, and then we finally went back to India. And so my parents were debating whether we should just stay put in India or we should relocate to U.S. And my father was actually finishing up his electrical engineering at that time in Oklahoma. So there was a lot of back and forth discussion, and I had just started school in India. But overnight, basically, my parents decided that we were going to move to U.S., And it had to be before my 12th birthday, because at that time, the tickets were double the prices after your 12th birthday. So, you know, they decided (laughs) we needed to save some money. And so I ended up here on my 12th birthday and we ended up being in Chicago. We landed at the Chicago O'Hare Airport. And so I was it just it, you or? No, no. So so my brother and I traveled together. My brother was 16 at that time and I was 12 or soon to be 12. And we came at the airport and we had missed our connecting flight to Oklahoma So here we were like two little kids at the airport and there were no cell phones at that time. So we had no sort of communication with the family, either in India or in Oklahoma. And my grandfather was just, you know, sick, worried about us because he was supposed to be at the other end receiving us. And um, so, yeah, so we were literally lost at the airport. And this, this really nice air hostess, actually, she came and she's like, well, you guys look like you don't know where you're going. And so she set us up in a hotel overnight. And she gave us these vouchers for us to have dinner because I guess, you know, the flights were delayed. And Mm. I still remember we ended up buying chocolates with all the money and we just didn't have any dinner that day, but we had a lot of chocolates. I mean, that's very typical of 
anybody who is, I guess, you know, immigrating, they, they you know, want to like kind of get the better sort of experience. And I remember <laughs> loading up on Kit Kats and, you know, because that was that was the favorite sort of chocolate bars that we had at that time. And then finally, we actually made it to Oklahoma. And, you know, of course, my parents and my grandparents were all relieved. And, um, you know, we ended up staying with my grandparents and my uncle and aunt in Oklahoma for about a year. So when you came here, finally, you got home and you started school. Do you recall doing things to acculturate to the country? What did you have to quickly learn or modify? Yeah, so I guess one of the sort of I was put in the ESL class in English as a second language. And, you know, I didn't have much of an accent because I didn't stay in India for a very long time. Like I had traveled to different countries. So in that sense, it was much easier for me to kind of lose the accent. So I wasn't made fun of. But, you know, cultural differences. And I was was 12 at that time. So I had like hair on my legs. And I didn't really shave. And, you know, it's it it was like, a, I guess, a transition period I had to go through about like personal hygiene using deodorant, which was never really taught to me. And, you know, it was when my parents weren't there. So it was a little bit more difficult. But, mm-hmm. you know, those were the things that people would kind of whisper behind my back. And, you know, as a teenager, you it, they're very sort of deep hurtful things but at the same time I think you're you're kind of resilient at that age and I think 12 is a very sort of tender yet moldable age so you know although like that first year was kind of difficult I think I learned a lot there was a deep like a a very steep learning curve in -hmm. terms of what I need to do in order to kind of acclimate myself to this new environment and out of you know I think there were there were a lot more Indians in the east coast and the west coast and here I was in Oklahoma Enid Oklahoma which was really a village in the U.S. and and it it was just harder because Mm. I was probably the only single Indian girl there was in the whole school in Mm. middle school so it was difficult but I think it, it was okay. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think it just makes you stronger, right? What right. doesn't break you makes you stronger. Right. So, so I think like it, you stepped up to the challenge and you learned quickly and you, yeah. And, and I think you kind of have to, you know, that this is your new environment and that you have to kind of survive in it and you, you know, kind of make your new adjustments. Right. Absolutely. So all these years later, you are now a pediatric gastroenterologist by profession. Do you recall how you decided to enter this field? What were your influences? So when I first came to the country, I stayed with my uncle and aunt, who were both physicians. So my uncle was a uh, cardiologist and my aunt was a pediatrician. And I I saw sort of the lifestyle that they had and like the hard work that they put in and, you know, the respect that they had in the community. And I think that was like my sort of influence and my sort of inspiration that I want to be just like them. I want to be able mm-hmm. to have that life and I want to be able to have that respect in the community. And then I also saw my parents kind of struggle through and kind of 
give us the opportunity to have that American dream. And it's for us that they moved here. So I saw that they were making their ends meet just so we could have a better life. And I yeah. think that combined with what you know, I saw their lifestyle to be really motivated me to make something of myself. And I always mm -hmm. told my mom that I will for sure become a physician. And she always would, you know, she always would encourage me too because she always wanted to become a doctor. And uh, she got married early because she was the eldest amongst the family members. So she never had that opportunity to make her dream come true. And so mm -hmm. she kind of wanted to make sure that I had every opportunity and I had every support to make my dream come true of becoming a physician. And I think so I did it, you know, not only for myself, but for my mom, too. And it was it was just my pure determination that I'm going to do it. And I don't care. And, you know, whatever it takes, I will do it. And so those were really the inspiring sort of things. And I think once you you know that you have to do something, you put your heart and effort into yeah. it and you're passionate about it, right? right? So then there was no stopping me. Cool. So what was that process like? You know, it was quite a journey, actually. And to, to start with, I thought that I would be the youngest physician and I wanted to go to India to go do my medical school there because you end up saving four years and you don't have to do undergraduate. So I graduated from high school early, a year early, and I went to India to Ludhiana to give my entrance exam for med school. Yeah. And once I was there studying for it, you know, they, they told me that I couldn't get admitted there because I had not done physics in high school. And so I did biology, I did chemistry, but I didn't have enough years to actually do physics. Interesting. So they, you know, so I basically said, okay, fine, you know what, I'll come back to the US, I'll do physics at a community college, and I'll come back and I'll join. So then I came back here to do uh, physics, hoping that I'll go back to India and start medical school soon. But then when I came here, I realized I didn't want to go back to India and I wanted to do medicine here and I didn't want to take a shortcut in life and I wanted to be closer to my parents and I guess once you're away from your parents you realize how important they really are and what a significant impact they have on your life just being close to you and yeah. so then I went through the whole undergraduate program here and I went to medical school here and did my residency and fellowship. It was quite a, a longer journey, but I think it was meant for me to realize that, you know, there are really no shortcuts in life and that right. I really have to go through this whole journey that's set for me. Good. No regrets, huh? No. So I was just looking at some stats. According to the American Association of Physicians of Indian Origin, AAPI, Indian Americans make up about eight and a half percent of the nearly one million active U.S. physicians. Do you think your Indian heritage plays any role in how you're viewed as a physician? Oh, absolutely. Even, you know, from being a student, you know, we know that the Indian kids are smarter in STEM and they're more science oriented 
And, you know, that kind of continues on to medical school where like more than half of your class and it's a joke are Indians and Patels. And, uh, you know, so being a Indian physician is no surprise. And I feel like even my patients view Indians as the smarter physicians or like physicians who are more research oriented and they know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it's definitely the Indian heritage has a has a pretty big impact on how we're viewed. Sounds like there's a positive bias. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And how we're, uh, you know, taken in by the society and and it's just that that respect and that respect for intelligence and and hard work and determination is there. So, and I think medicine, any sort of science related fields are, you know, you can see that more of an impact in those fields. And so I, I definitely see that being a positive bias for sure. Yeah, I've been asking my interviewees questions like, what do they perceive as an Indian stereotype? And this has come up frequently, the positive bias, assuming smarts and a great work ethic, and like you said, greater intonation and skills in science and technology, which it may not be exclusive to Indian Americans, but that's a good positive bias bias, to have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I I don't know if it's easy to to live up to. I think it definitely puts a lot more pressure, I think. think. But but I think it's it's almost innate in us to do that, right? So I don't know. I think when the expectation is there, then I think you tend to kind of do it too. Yeah, there's something uh, about maybe a self-fulfilling prophecy or that stepping up to what has become a stereotype and it's yes yes no it's true cut both ways but I think mostly it's a good thing yeah no I agree but it does have another aspect to it just the pressure of living up to that stereotype yeah no I know it does and especially I I see that more in my kids you know it's how do you see that in your kids do you no, so I crept I, into I, your parenting. Yeah, no, I, I think to a certain degree, you know, both my husband and I are both physicians. And so I, I'm sure there is pressure on them to be like, well, I better make something of myself. You know, both my parents are physicians. So I, I do feel that there is this underlining self-pressure that they have, you know, as much as we don't say anything to them. Okay. I'm sure there there is. That's a healthy way for your kids to keep the bar high because you set (laughs) good examples for them, both of your parents. Mm -hmm. And speaking of kids, I do ask all my interviewees about the challenges of parenting while straddling the two cultures, assuming there's a dichotomy. Let me ask you this, since you grew up here, Was it a smoother ride for you raising your kids than it was for your parents who immigrated from India? I don't know about a smoother ride. Uh, I definitely think it's a different ride, right? So, you know, I think raising kids is a huge challenge, no matter what culture you come from, right? So that challenge is always there. I think raising with a cultural sort of difference makes it probably more challenging but I always felt that being brought up here, I wouldn't have as much of that cultural challenge because I knew 
you know, what I was getting into. I knew what my kids were going to go through. And I went through high school here. So I recognized the sort of pressures in high school. But I don't think it was any sort of a smoother ride for me than it was for my mom. I feel it was more the generational gap that makes a bigger sort of difference in raising your kids than the cultural difference. You know, so I still get into the same fights with my daughters as I did with I got in with my own mother regarding, Mm -hmm. you know, going out late and like just having like to talk to a boy, you know, on the phone, even though I'm more comfortable with that than my mom was. I still feel that, you know, it's still a difficult process to raise kids, especially during their teenage years. Right. You still want to protect your kids yeah. no matter what generation. Exactly. What and, and no matter what culture you are. And, you know, I think it's just more challenging because I feel that I'm not able to give in or give them as more of a cultural experience that my parents did. Just because I think our struggles, the struggles that we're going through as parents, Versus what my parents went through, you know, I saw them kind of just making their ends meet. And so, mm. and my kids, I feel are so much more privileged that they, mm. they they don't really see a struggle as what the struggle that we saw our parents go through. So mm. I don't think I can ever fill that sort of gap. But, you know, mm. and, and it's funny, because my cousins who are 10 years younger than I am always kind of say, oh, wow, you guys have such a great relationship with your kids. And, you know, it's so Mm. much easier for you to raise your kids since you Mm. grew up here. Like they never really connected with their parents because, you know, they're first generation here. But I don't know if that's necessarily true. I think it's Mm. still a very difficult sort of relationship that you have with your kids just because raising them, you feel guilty that you are diluting the culture a little you're not making them cultured enough, but yet you have a different relationship with them because you're somewhat more of their friend than I guess your parents were because we're okay with them, you know, going out and we're okay with them wearing shorts and whatever, you know, that I guess my parents were not okay with. And so, but I, I do feel it's still very difficult. And I think every parent has the best intentions, you know what I mean? And parenting style is so different for everybody. But as Indian heritage people, we we always worry about diluting our culture too much or like not having enough of the American culture. And so I think just walking yeah. that fine line just yeah. adds that added pressure to the parenting that's hard to begin with. Absolutely. You said it. Exactly. It does make it harder, no matter how we look at it. My kids are a little bit older than yours. And if I was asked if I was able to straddle that line perfectly, the answer would be a big fat no. But perhaps it's an elusive balance that nobody can achieve. Yeah, no, it's very true. So we've been having this conversation against the backdrop of the theme of this podcast your identity as an Indian American, even though we've been talking about this, how do you define being of Indian heritage? And when you were talking about parenting and you mentioned that you wonder how much of Indian heritage were you able to inculcate in them? How do you even define 
Indian heritage? So I think a lot of the Indianness in me is probably more from my parents and what the sort of values they have instilled in me. I think one of the biggest value that any Indian parent or any Indian family does is this sort of importance to family values and family-oriented sort of values that drive us, you know. And I think I can basically say two things, one from my mother that was kind of really stressed on and one from my father. So the one from my mother would be really that the the female gender in an Indian family is so important and so empowering that it's not that the male needs to have the dominance, but the woman really needs to have that nurturing and putting the family together and sacrificing and just being more tolerant. Now, that doesn't necessarily make us weaker, but really empowers us much more. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's 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 kind of interesting how you can look at a, a glass half full versus half empty, right? So the way that she would kind of instill that in me is that it's not that you sacrificing for your family is going to make you weaker, but it's just going to make you stronger because you'll see that your family will be together. And so I know that I kind of lived by that and it's really made me a happier person, even though like I feel I end up sacrificing more for my family. So that's one of the biggest thing I felt like I got, at least from my mom. And and from my dad, I, I felt like this sort of spirituality, just being spiritual and just finding that inner happiness is just very important. And, you know, it's not really the traditions or the religion that we need to focus on, but just just being happy and finding good in people and being good yourself, I think, uh, just kind of gives you pathway towards this inner peace and sort of inner happiness. And so those, I think, are the two most important things that I value about, you know, my Indian culture that I've always kind of thought about that have made my life a much sort of meaningful and sort of happier life. So, I mean, people talk about, oh, wow, you still do Karvachat for your husband, like, what age are you, you know, like, this is like a new age, like, how can you, you know, (laughs) starve yourself for your husband? And, you know, and I think that kind of brings back both the things that my parents have kind of instilled in me, that strong gender female role that I have, and Mm -hmm. also that it brings me sort of peace and happiness to do something for my husband. And I think, like, if your husband is supportive, They could be supportive in the house, but just recognizing how much you do is a big part of the support that you need, right? And, you know, so it's it's interesting. I almost feel like I have to explain myself, but Mm -hmm. I actually love doing Karvachot and I love, you know, fasting for my husband. And it's it's, it's a wonderful tradition and it just brings me so much joy and peace. I love that you've embraced this gender role that may be coming from a very traditional, almost some might even say patriarchal place in our society, as our previous our parents and their previous generations may have experienced. But you've converted that into something empowering for you, where I hear you say that embracing this 
gender role that was defined by what your mom taught you and what you've imbibed on your own. Yeah, you I mean, I made it an empowering thing for yeah, yourself. I mean, it's not that I'm weak. I mean, I am equally as educated and equally as, you know, I have equal sort of, I guess, things that I go by and, you know, equal share of everything in the family. Right. But it's just, you know, it's just different because I feel that just me being more tolerant of my family and sacrificing for my family, if it makes the better, it's okay, you know, so I think it makes you stronger. That's a great perspective. I think that's good for thought. And actually, before this interview, I came across this statistic that a 2018 study shows that 50% of male physicians have a spouse at home who handles household needs, but less than 10% of women physicians have a stay-at-home spouse, which means 90% of women physicians manage patient care and administrative duties while carrying the burden of more than our share of household duties, more in caps. And this is an invitation to join a support group of women physicians. Oh, you need to pass me that. (laughs) I need to join that support group for sure. (laughs) But what you just said gives it a very beautiful, different perspective where you've embraced it and it has empowered you. So I want to leave it at that very high, very inspiring note. And thank you so much for giving me your time, Jyoti. This has been really excellent and thought-provoking. No, thank you so much. And, you know, just doing this interview just makes me reflect, you know, at my own life. And it's a learning experience for me, too. So I really want to thank you for, for doing this and discussing this very important topic, which I feel is not really out there. So thank you again, Bindia. Oh, thank you. And I'll be taking a break for the next two weeks and we'll be back Monday, January 8th, 2024 with more episodes of the Indian American Experience podcast. Meanwhile, have a wonderful holiday season and a happy and healthy new year.